That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped. Sadness written across their faces, downcast. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there these last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah and had come to rescue Israel, but this all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. They had seen angels who told him, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to him. You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures all the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So we went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And it was at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they walked along the road. And how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. Let's pray. God, I I thank you for your words and your wisdom. God, I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of millions across the world today, reminding us of your sacrifice, and that you are in fact not dead, but you are alive. We love you, we thank you, we ask that your words pierce the hearts of many today. It's in your precious name that we pray, Jesus, amen. It's Easter. They don't know it yet in this story. They're not going to call it that for a couple thousand years, but it's Easter. And we don't get a lot of context of who these two characters are. We know that one is named Cleopas. We don't know what the other one's name is, but we do know, we do know a little bit. We know that contextually that they were either followers of Jesus, they were either with Jesus specifically, or they had gone to Jerusalem to see and meet Jesus because they had heard about who he was. But that was three days ago. Now they're traveling back to their village, 
Because, well, things didn't go as planned. Mark Twain once wrote, he said, uh, you know, golf is a good walk interrupted. Now, I kind of disagree. I like golf. I tend to be okay at golf, especially when I'm cheating. But, you know, there have been some days that I've been on the golf course where I have had to walk it out. Uh, My friends will tell you that I will walk next to the golf cart as we go down the fairway angrily um, looking for the club I threw. But this was not the case this day. See, this was a sad walk, brightened. The text says that they were walking along, the two of them, but they were downcast. And Jesus comes alongside of them and says, well, what's the matter? And they're so beside themselves that they literally stop, downcast. And they're so sad and they're so depressed and they're so just disappointed with unmet expectations of this trip to Jerusalem that they don't even know who they're walking with. Maybe, maybe that's you. Because they're like, you got to be kidding me, right? Like, have you not heard? Have you not heard all the things that have happened three days prior? Maybe that's you right now, right? I don't want to be dramatic, but maybe you're downcast. Maybe you're disappointed. Maybe you're sad or depressed about what life has handed you. Maybe it's a, a lack of unmet expectations, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's not literal, but maybe it's more of a, just a mental thing for you. Whatever the case may be, maybe you're like these two. That life has come at you so fast, so incredibly fast, that it has derailed you with disappointment. It's derailed you with unmet expectations. That you were, you were so sure of something, just like they were so sure Jesus was a prophet and was the Messiah. But then life just hits you like a freight train. Maybe, maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe it's a loss of a job. Maybe it's a loss of a relationship. And it's, it almost feels like you're drowning, right? And then, and then what, here's the crazy part. What seemed impossible some, some, some six months ago or six years ago or six weeks ago or six days ago or six hours ago is now your new normal. You've all been there. Maybe you've just come out of that season. Or maybe, just maybe, you're there right and what you're searching for on this Easter is just something, just something to hold on to, just something to hope in. But worse yet, you feel like our two weary travelers who are downcast, where their hope and their expectations were just nailed to a cross. I came to tell you today, though, that when Jesus shows up on your road, he doesn't show up just to brighten up your day. He changes your perspective on everything. And such is the case here. This is interesting. Look at this. Jesus didn't show up on the road to Emmaus that day to change their circumstances. He didn't show up to change their reality. He didn't show up to change their situation. No, he changes their perspective. He gives them another angle for them to look at the world that they're speaking, that they're being a part of. They're looking at their situation, their reality, just a little bit differently. And what he's doing is he's bringing them into correct light. And it speaks to something so important. I want you to write this down. Write this down. Put this in your notes. The situations you face are not nearly as important as the perspective you take. See, understand this. To them, to these two weary travelers, the two worst things in the, the worst thing in the world has ever happened. Do you understand this? The problem wasn't that Jesus was crucified. To which you might be thinking to yourself, crucifixion seems like a little bit of a problem. They were probably saying the same thing. Like, this seems like a problem that Jesus has been crucified. 
But it wasn't, the, death wasn't the problem. It was the lack of understanding about the necessity of the death that was the problem for these two. Look at what he says. He says, Jesus says, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. That is, you've been warned about this. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into his glory? Jesus said, let me, let me remind you. Jesus took them through the scriptures, the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus showed up in the reality and said, hey, let me teach you a thing or two. But not before he walked with them, he talked with them, and he listened to their story. See, so often you and I, we get caught up in our circumstances of life. We put these blinders on, right? And when we do that, we end up jumping to these desperate conclusions, and we forget the truth that we knew all along. Just like those two forgot the truth that they knew all along. That no matter how good, no matter how bad any of the situations that you and I find ourselves in, God has promised to never leave us or forsake us. So Jesus is he's walking with them, and he's talking with them, and he's teaching them. What he's actually doing is he's challenging their perspective. See, from where they stand, the conclusions that they drew is that this thing is over. That the, the concept of Jesus as the Savior for all is over. It's dead, literally. And why are they going to Emmaus? Well, because the Jesus party is over. They rode in like kings a week ago, right, for Palm Sunday, and now they are leaving, possibly fleeing, fearing for their lives. Look at how they spoke. It's so critical to look at how they spoke because it speaks to what their heart was. It said, he was a prophet. He was a mighty teacher. We had hoped he was the Messiah. It's past tense. It's all past tense. They're speaking like their best days are behind them. And maybe for, that for some of you, that's you right now. What's so powerful here, though, don't miss this. Their info is correct. Jesus did die. The women, they went to the tomb. They found the tomb empty. These are facts. This actually happened. But the conclusion that they came up with was that the body was stolen by very polite thieves, mind you. It's, it's recorded that the, they, get to the, they get to the tomb and the body is gone and the clothes are all folded up nicely and put over in the corner. Just saying, very polite thieves. See, the conclusion that they came to was wrong despite the fact that they had the facts. The, the, body, the body wasn't stolen. Death tried to steal it. But the power of an almighty savior defeated that death, said, death, you're a liar. And I'm going to change your perspective on death and life. He says, listen, listen, he says, look at me. I'm the captain now. Death, you have no reign here. I'm in charge here. Jesus didn't stop them on the road to Emmaus, though. To tell them what they were going through wasn't tough. He didn't stop them on that road to tell them what they were going through wasn't brutal. He didn't stop them on that road to tell them that what they were going through wasn't difficult, because it was. What you're going through right now is brutal. I don't know what it is, but what you're going through right now is difficult. What you're going through right now is really hard. But what are the conclusions that you're making about it? What are the conclusions that you're coming to? Because, see, the two on the road to Emmaus, they were suffering under the weight of a conclusion that just wasn't true. Yes, Jesus died, but he didn't stay that way. So the question I want to ask you this Easter is who told you to use past tense? It's the question Jesus asked them. Who told you that past tense? Who told you that I was done interacting with your story? Who told you that I was done impacting your life and going along with you? Who told you I was gone? Who told you all hope was lost? Who told you to be downcast? You say was. Jesus says I am. 
When we look in the past, see, when we live in the past, when we live in this, my life was, my marriage was, my job was, my everything was, Jesus says, I got more in front of you than you could ever imagine. You got to stop looking back at tragedy. You got to start looking for a better day. And it's not the first time he warned us about this. Look at this. He says, earlier in John, he says, listen, therefore, you know you have sorrow. Like, hey, this is not awesome right now. But I'm going to see you again, and your heart's going to rejoice, and your joy, no one will be able to take that joy from you. See, you might be saying right now, let's be honest. Let's just say what it is. You might be saying right now, my life kind of sucks. Maybe you're losing hope. Maybe you never had hope. Jesus says, no, your perspective's wrong. Because through me and with me, man, when you're with me, you always have hope. Great things are on the horizon. Dawn is coming. Night is almost done when you are with me. He challenged their assumptions about death. He challenged their assumptions about life. Jesus challenges everything we know when we let him in, especially on Easter. What he did to them on that road to Emmaus is he corrected their wrong thinking. They were going in one direction. What happened? Within the hour. They were going the other. That's called repentance right there. But here's the problem. We, we forget we need to be corrected. All the time. And see, the thing is, our wrong thinking always leads to wrong actions, whether you like it or not. Because understand this. I believe that the greatest sin that you and I commit is knowing what to do and not doing it. Is knowing what the truth is and not acknowledging it. Like, we need to do this or that, but not doing it. And what do we do? We justify it. We let wrong thinking sneak in because then the wrong thinking affects our perspective and then it affects our actions. You need to have a better job, but you're too lazy. You let the laziness sneak in, these thoughts. Or you need to spend more time with your kids, but you work on justification and justification sneaks in. You know your marriage needs counseling, but bitterness sneaks in. Spite sneaks in. You, these two knew who Jesus was. They knew who he was, and they let doubt sneak in. But just like that, just like how Jesus showed up on the road, Jesus showed up in your life to change our wrongdoings. Jesus came down to earth to change all that we know. See, you and I, we call it Easter, but understand that Easter isn't a holiday. It's an identity. Jesus challenging us, changing our perspective. It can't just be a one-time good feeling on Easter kind of thing. It is a daily thing. Each and every one of us has wrong thinking. Each and every one of us has poor decisions. Each and every one of us has doubt, bitterness, anger, disappointment, sadness, depression. But when we live in those places, we become downcast and we forget what Easter is all about. Is changing us. Whether we're on the road to Emmaus or not, God is changing us and moving us in another direction. He's changing our perspective about death. He's changing our perspective about the need for a savior. He's changing our perspective about how we live our life, our thinking, our actions, all of it. But what he's changing most, don't miss this, is he's showing us what a loving God is willing to do to have a relationship with us. That he is willing to walk down this road called life even when we don't recognize that he's there. And he guides us with his knowledge, not ours, and his understanding, not ours, correcting our thinking, changing our perspective along the way. Why does he do that? First, so that you and I can understand and be in right standing with him. 
The second, I believe this to be just as important as the first, is that you and I begin to see God's true nature in all its glory. Look at what he says. He says, you were dead because of your sins. Because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. Not some of them. Not just the ones we've confessed to him. No, he knows everything that we've done. He is going to, listen, he is fit to give us full forgiveness. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away. Why? How? By nailing it to a cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers. Read that as Satan. Read that as death. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. See, those, those two random people in the Bible that we never really hear from again, they had set out from Jerusalem to go home. And Jesus set out after them on a rescue mission. A rescue mission. The same one he sets out for us to rescue us from selfish thinking and wrong actions through his sacrifice. Why? So that you and I can be allowed into right standing with him. Then and only then are our wrongdoings, our wrong thinkings, our wrong actions are washed away. This is why Easter is for you. This is why Easter is for me. This is why Easter is for every single one of us. It's for every single person who's devastated. It's for every single person that's discouraged. It's for every single person that's disappointed and has doubt. It's for every single one of us that has unmet expectations. It's for every single one of us that is talking about life and hope and love and grace and mercy in the past tense. I used to have this. Jesus was a good prophet. He was a mighty teacher. We had hoped he was the Messiah, past tense. Jesus says, who told you to talk about me in past tense? I'm still alive. See, the blood of Jesus that's offered up on Easter is offered up for the complete and total forgiveness. The word forgive in the Greek language, don't miss this, this is so incredible. If you, if you get nothing else, the, the word forgive in the Greek language means to remove not only the feeling but the action of guilt. Jesus says it's not enough to get rid of the action. I get rid of the feeling too. That it's no longer with you. Jesus purchased that with his blood. Jesus said seven things when he got up on that cross. Just seven. And one of them was it is finished. It is finished. His assignment to pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins is finished. He purchased us. Your debt is claimed by his blood. It is finished. His rescue mission for us is finished. But it begs the question as we close. Then what's your response? What's your response? To a perfect man and a perfect God sacrificing his only son for you. What's your response to that? Because that's what Easter is all about. 
I know we're going to take some gorgeous pictures and have some incredible lunches and dinners and all the things today. It's going to be awesome. But what's your response to the Savior on a rescue mission for you? Paul, when he was writing to this church in Rome, we call it the book of Romans. He's writing to them and he says, hey, I I just want to explain it to you real simply. I I just want to get it out there. I'm going to put it out there. This is what he records in Romans chapter 10. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's believing in your heart that you were made right with God and it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. So here's what I want to do as we finish up. Like every head bowed out of respect for what we're about to do. If you're here today or you're listening later online and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, I want you to understand just how simple it is to receive the gift of salvation. See, you and I, we only have one life to give. And we should be careful who and what we give it to. See, your Savior has met you on, the, on your road. Whether you've been ignoring him or not, he's challenged your thinking. He's challenged your perspective. It's time for you to acknowledge him and what he's done for you. And it's simple. We simply turn our heart towards God and transfer your trust from what you think and know to be true to what Jesus thinks and knows to be true. Believing now that Jesus was who he said he was and did what he said he was going to do. And what he was going to do was to die on the cross for your sins to be forgiven. That's what Easter's all about. It's all about change. A changing of not just your perspective. Not just a changing of the direction of your life. But a changing of the direction of your eternity. So what I'm going to do is this. With all the heads still bowed. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask that if you believe that Jesus was who he says he was and did what he said he was going to do, that you pray along with me. So God, I thank you for your son Jesus. I thank you for sending him to die on a cross for me. I thank you for washing away my sins, forgiving me for all my wrongdoings and wrong actions, wrong thinking. God, I love you. God, I turn my trust towards you. I turn my eyes towards you. I turn my heart towards you. Believing in you. That you will never leave me nor forsake me. 
believing that no matter what I do, no matter what I say, you are always with me. God, we thank you for all these things, but we thank you most of all for sending your son to die on a cross so that we don't have to. So that we get to spend eternity with you. It's in that son's name we pray. Amen. With all our heads still bowed, I want to ask a simple question. If that's the very first time that you've confessed that out loud or in your heart today, that's the very first time you decided to take a step instead of away from God towards him. I want to ask you to do something bold, and it's not that bold because, well, all our eyes are closed and you're amongst friends. But God says, if you deny me in front of others, I'm going to deny you when it counts. And so I want to give you the opportunity right now that's the very first time in your life or the very first time you actually meant it. Maybe you've done it a bunch of times, but this time is different and you know it's different because the Holy Spirit is just welling up inside of you right now. I would ask that you would raise your hand on the count of three. And just so we're all one accord, when you do that, you're proclaiming that Jesus is who he says he is. He's the savior of the world. And when you do that, Some of our team members are going to come and they're going to put a Bible in your hands. And inside that Bible is going to be a connect card because we want to connect with you. We want to help you take your next steps. So on the count of three, one, two, three, raise your hands. If that's you today, that you said this for the very first time in your heart, and meant it. Amen. Amen. Everyone can look up. Don't we ever forget, don't you ever forget what Easter's all about. Don't you ever forget that your Savior loves you, that he sacrificed himself for you. Don't you ever forget what Easter is all about. That everything was changed on a cross on your behalf. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for what you've done. And we thank you for what you're doing. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.